Tonight, before we begin our next episode of Writing Through the Pain, My Story, Part 18, Little Earthquakes, I would like to take a moment to thank blogfeedspot.com for including this podcast as number four on their top 25 child abuse podcasts to follow in 2020 list. I am very honored and excited to be a part of this list, and I hope it encourages more people to listen to this podcast. Please visit blog.feedspot.com forward slash child underscore abuse underscore podcast to check out the complete list. And thank you so much for your continued support. The link will be in the description of this episode. Welcome. Welcome back, everyone, to a brand new episode of my weekly podcast, Writing Through the Pain. This is your host and Winnipeg multidisciplinary artist, Ingrid D. Johnson. Thank you, everyone, for joining me as I discuss, explore, and discover what facing and slowly healing after the trauma of childhood sexual abuse looks like in several areas of life, beginning with my childhood years and into my teens, and then slowly into my adult life. Thank you for choosing to go on this healing journey with me as I share pieces of my story from my upcoming book and also interviews with other people that are connected to my story. Would you like to do more to show your support for this podcast? Then please, subscribe, leave a tip in any amount, or become a monthly sponsor by contributing $5 a month or more through our PayPal link. That link is www.paypal.com forward slash PayPal me, all one word, forward slash ITC sponsorship. In return, you will receive a quarterly newsletter, a download code to my album Visions and Dreams, and 10% discount off all new In the Closet Productions products and services. Every dollar you contribute will be used to produce inspiring original music, live music shows, speaking engagements, this podcast, and other creative projects that helps to draw awareness to the impact of childhood sexual abuse. Thank you so much for your wonderful support. And now, my story, part 18, Little Earthquakes. I first learned about PTSD triggers in group therapy back in 2007, when I was 31 years old. However, I did not truly understand what it felt like to be triggered until a close friend of mine betrayed me repeatedly around the same time. It was during this close friend's repeated betrayals mixed with some reverse psychology I felt to avoid any real responsibility for any wrongdoing on her part that I came to understand what it felt like to be triggered. Being triggered to me felt like being a lioness, accidentally let out of a cage full of rage. A lioness in attack mode. A lioness who feels threatened and very unsafe. A lioness convinced she has to protect herself and everything that belongs to her from every outside threat, especially those who are supposed to protect her from her abusers but who are only protecting her abusers and more concerned about themselves. There have been certain scenarios in my life that have been very triggering for me as a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. Scenarios where I felt helpless, 
anxious, rejected, disrespected, devalued, unheard, and unloved. A lot of those scenarios occurred within my friendships, my romantic relationships, in my interactions as an artist, in my late teens, into my 20s and early 30s. It was during those times that the impact of childhood sexual abuse started to take its toll on me subconsciously and bring up dysfunctional coping patterns. One of my earliest scenarios of this occurred in my relationship with Isaac Omega. It was the fall of 1993. I was enrolled in Red River College in an intense child care program and working my part-time job at Pizza Hut. It was a couple months for my 18th birthday and Colin and I were no longer together. We had broken up at the end of the summer and Keisha and I had drifted apart. Margaret, my former best friend and I were back to hanging out again, although we still had some issues in our friendship. Isaac Omega had also broken up with Colin's sister Molly. He was single And after seeing me on the bus one day, he asked a mutual friend of mine and his for my phone number. I told her it was okay to give it to him. And shortly after that, we started dating. Isaac had a younger sister and interracial educated middle-class parents. We were very different from each other, but very attracted to each other. So I felt very happy being with him. However, there was something deep inside of me that wasn't fully content with what I had with Isaac. Something inside of me that felt unable to be at peace with him because I wasn't really at peace with myself. This broken part of me came out a few months into my relationship with Isaac after my 18th birthday. It reared its ugly head one night after my evening shift at Pizza Hut after I got off the bus and was walking home to my apartment on Cornish Avenue. That night, I met a cute 20-something guy named Yerick on my walk home. He was walking home too, and we unexpectedly sparked up a conversation about the great summer weather that eventually led to us exchanging phone numbers under the pretense of being just friends. I was being a bad girl. The damaged girl inside of me that was boy crazy and willing to play with fire. The part of me willing to risk my relationship with Isaac for some time alone with another guy I felt attracted to, but knew next to nothing about. It was this bad girl inside of me, a girl I will call Candy, that decided to start hanging out with Yerick behind Isaac's back. I'm not saying I have or had multiple personality disorders, but it's kind of like when you have a part of yourself that you're not proud of that comes out every now and then in certain scenarios or with certain people but that's not who you want to be but when you're triggered that side of you comes out that's who candy was a side of me that i wasn't proud of yarek and i had nothing in common except being black attracted to each other and jamaican but that still did not deter me from hanging out with him Neither did my relationship with Isaac being at risk or even when he told me himself that he was still in love with his ex-girlfriend. So when we slept together for the first time and the guilt did not seep in all at once, I knew something was really broken deep down on the inside of me. The day Isaac started to get suspicious about me spending time with Yarek, I found myself answering his questions without hesitation. At the end of our conversation, Isaac decided to break up with me. I guess what I had answered 
made him uncomfortable, although I didn't outright tell him that I had cheated on him. Him breaking up with me triggered a deeper sense of loss than I expected. It was like Candy stepped aside for a moment and I woke up and realized how foolish I had been, hurting a guy that I'd only been dating for a short time who had been nothing but sweet to me at the time. A few months later, Yarek and I parted ways. I found myself obsessing over Isaac, who was no longer my boyfriend, but a friend with benefits. This arrangement was not enough for me, but I accepted it knowing that I was in the wrong for cheating on him in the first place. With time, I was hoping, or it was my hope, that Isaac would forgive me and decide to commit to me again, so I decided to settle for a confusing relationship an unlabeled relationship with him instead of letting go and moving on with someone else. In truth, I was confusing lust for love back then because I'd never experienced true unconditional love. So I told myself that I was in love with him, Isaac, and that I had to have him in my life again. This belief left me pining for an 18-year-old boy full of pride, anger, and frustration over what I had done and he was a guy that was willing to ease his frustrations with other women so I started to ease my frustration with him with other guys the first guy that I dated during this time or had a situation with was Wade Sinclair who was also hung up on someone else he could not be with as well. Wade Sinclair was the type of guy a lot of girls fantasized about. He was black, bald, older than me, a football player, a pretty boy, muscular and handsome, kind of like Morris Chestnut, if you know who Morris Chestnut is. He was a fantasy for a lot of women my age, and I was a pit stop on his way to winning back his true love his heart's desire, a beautiful Jamaican girl who had more self-control physically than me. At first, I was fine with my relationship with Wade Sinclair. He was a pleasant distraction from being in limbo with Isaac, who only seemed to want to hurt me by dating other girls who were not me, while occasionally sleeping with me as well. Then one day, Isaac did a horrible thing to me. Isaac decided to hide a video camera in a closet at his parents' place in order to film us being intimate without my knowledge. Afterwards, he decided to show a group of his friends the tape. Eventually, news about the videotape got out, and he was forced to reveal what he had done to me over the phone, only because a close relative of mine, a male relative of mine, found out that I was the girl that was on the tape and forced him to tell me after he'd punched him in the face for disrespecting me, his family. Hearing that news straight out of Isaac's mouth over the phone shook me to the core, especially since several girls in the black community had already made it their business to spread vicious rumors about how I must have known about the hidden video camera, like I had agreed to it, although I didn't know and would never have agreed to being filmed if I had known. I was absolutely horrified. My life was a complete nightmare, thanks to Isaac's passive-aggressive need for revenge, and emotionally, I felt like I was on a slow downward spiral into a deep pit of despair. A feeling triggered by Isaac's betrayal that felt like another little earthquake breaking me up on the inside over and over and over and over again. To be continued.
Did you enjoy this recent episode? Then stay tuned for a brand new episode of Writing Through the Pain, My Story Continued, every Wednesday night. Tune in next week, where I will share more of my story dealing with the impact of childhood sexual abuse. Well, as usual, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your colleagues, family members, acquaintances, and friends. After all, you never know who this podcast might speak to, inspire, uplift, inform, or help to break their silence about an incident or incidents of childhood sexual abuse in their lives. To leave a message about an episode of this podcast, or to become a potential guest on the show, please message me at anchor.fm forward slash Ingrid D. Johnson, all one word, forward slash message. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for supporting my mission. Good night and God bless you, my friends.